I'm going to uh, jump ahead a little bit to seed. We've been dealing with the journey on the place of next. How many of you are actually realizing that you're either arrived or you're getting to a place of next? Hmm? It's true. And uh, mighty things are going on in your personal lives, in the kingdom of God, and in ourselves, and, and in this church. But we won't spend much time on that today, other than to tell you to open your eyes and look around yourselves. If you've been picked up and moved to a Padamaran, a Padamaran place is a place where you get the fulfillment of the promise that God has sent you to. And besides that, um, also what's going on geopolitically and, and, and geographically in the world right now. I don't know if it, if it went by you this week, but something very, very uh, prophetically historic occurred. And I'm not talking about what happened in the Congress and Senate. That's ridiculous what was there. It's, it's, it's irrelevant what was there. It's just a bunch of people that ha should have something better to do that are wasting our time and money. That's all that was, right? So someday they'll wake up or maybe they'll be gone. I don't really care. But this is what happened. And I know that it was politically motivated because I even said it would be a few months back. But on Tuesday, Benjamin Netanyahu, and Monday, Monday and Tuesday, Benjamin Netanyahu and his staff, a lot of his people, his top people, arrived at the White House to meet with our president and our secretary of state and his um, delegates that are working on a peace plan. And they brought in the opponent of Benjamin Netanyahu, whose name is Gantz. And so they briefed him and then they met with Bibi Netanyahu. And then Tuesday, they released this peace plan. Now, the peace plan is crafted such to make it sound like it's in compliance with the Zionistic principles of the promises for Israel, but it's not completely in compliance. That's why it's on pause. And it was on pause for a year and a half because it was even worse than it is now. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm saying it's not the thing. And somebody wrote me about it. And uh, I'll be doing, a, Lord willing, an interview tomorrow uh, with Charisma on it that they put out. Usually when they put it out, we get a lot of people that watch it. And they asked me if I had a word about it. I said, I do. And I'll release some of that and some of the other stuff. But what immediately came to my spirit was they'll say peace and peace and then comes destruction. So all of a sudden, the European countries chimed in and said, oh, this is a good peace plan. They should follow this. At least it's the beginning. And then something very strange happened after it was announced here. Bibi got on a plane and went to Moscow. And he sat down with Putin. And they talked some more about the plan. Now, if you know prophecy, Gog Magog is going to be pulled down from the north. If you draw a line right from Jerusalem into Russia, it hits Moscow. So he went there, and who knows what they chummed about. 
And then it came out and it said, but Jerusalem will never be divided, but yet they want to place a Palestinian capital in East Jerusalem. And I think most of you know that ultimately, when Jerusalem is the throne of our Jewish Messiah, as he comes back to Israel and goes into the eternal city that is the apple of the Lord's eye, he says, there's not going to be any room for false gods. Dagon isn't going to have a shot there. And you can call that God whatever you want to call it. It's got to go. So we already know that's not part of the plan, don't we? So what am I getting at? The prophetic clock is measured a lot now since 1948 by Israel. May 8th, May 14th, very important dates. And when that clock stops for a little while, when it moves, it doesn't just go like a second hand. It goes, and it just went, and I'm telling you, prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. And I have news for some people in the body of Christ who don't understand it. When he comes, his feet are going to plant on the Mount of Olives. Not in London, not in Washington, D.C., not in Miami Beach, not in San Francisco, and not even in Canfield, Ohio. However, I have put in our request that when he does his world tour, we get at the top of the list. Amen. Jesus is coming. And all this other noise is that. It's noise. And the devil is angry because we're this close to getting Roe versus Wade overturned. Every time there's a big move of God for deliverance, the devil kills the children. Moses, kill all the children. Jesus is here. Where's he at? Kill them all two years and younger. God's moving to touch heaven. Attack the children. No, 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 no. Not attacking our children. We just put the promise on them. This is a safe place. Come on, this is a safe place. This is a place that knows the voice of the Lord. And so all the clamor about us and all that's said and done is nothing but noise because the voice of the Lord prevails. Amen. So I'm very excited. We are going into that next place of next. Now, it's the seed. I told you about the seed. And I want you to understand that there was a blessing that went with the seed. And the blessing was given to Abraham twice. And then it was given by Rebekah's family as she was being claimed to go forward. And when we see what God has done with that blessing, we understand that we are the recipients of the blessing of Abraham to the seed. And so we want to know that we understand 
What does that mean? Well, let's look very quickly at Genesis 22:17, if we may. Genesis 22:17. Is it coming up? Do we have it? If not, I'm, oh, there it is. Thank you. Blessing, I will bless you, and multiply, I will multiply your descendants. And it says the seed, as the stars of the heaven is a stand, and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. Now, we also understand in Rebecca, I'm sorry, in Genesis 24, 60, when it says descendants, that's an ignorant English translation of the Hebrew word, which is seed. It's not seeds, it's seed. Does it flow to descendants? Yes, we're the descendants of the blessing. However, if we don't understand seed, then we don't understand the fullness of the promise. Now, when Rebecca was claimed, her family wanted her to stay with them 10 more days. We're going to deal with 10 a lot in the next week or two. 10 more days. And they blessed Rebecca and said to her, our sister, may you become the mother of thousands of ten thousands, next verse, and may your seed possess the gates of those who hate them. It's the word seed. So why is that important? Well, first of all, when we dig in a little bit about the name of Rebecca, we understand that this name has a lot of prophetic meaning to it. For one of the things it means is that, first of all, uh, it, she's actually written of in the Song of Psalm, Songs, chapter 2, verse 2, is a rose among the thorns, so is my beloved among the daughters. And in her name, this name uh, of Rebecca, Rebecca, Rivka is actually the Hebrew, R-I-V if you want to put it in a phonetic, R-I-V-Q-A-H, Rivka. What it means is to join or to tie, to join or to tie. Now, if you read Genesis 24, you know that Eliezer, the servant of Abraham, was on a mission from his master to go find the matriarch of the covenant, to go find the one who was going to join with his son Isaac so that the promise to the seed would pass on. So isn't it interesting that her name, when Eliezer found her, meant join? Isn't it interesting that it also meant to tie, to tie the knot, to tie? And another name for her in the Hebrew, which could be used in some translations, is servant of God. What was Eliezer's name? Servant, helper. So the servant found the servant. And two servants collided in the middle of Padamaran, in the place of next, in the place of the fulfillment to the seed. And the servant brought the servant home to the covenant. Now, we understand that this word, this word is very important because the seed carries the promise. The seed carries everything that God has merged into two people. 
So that when they come together, the patriarch and the matriarch, the male and the female, when that seed is joined, when it has been consumed, when there's a consummation, then there's a birth. And that birth brings forth fruit. So the seed was very important. And we're going to discuss and take a journey about how Abraham had the faith that he had at that point because he was holding on to the promise of the seed. One point, the Bible jumps very quickly in the book of Genesis. We go from Genesis 22 to 24 as this, it's just another week, but it wasn't. No one's really sure how old Isaac was when the Lord tested him to offer up his son. I've read the Mishnah, which would put him at about 37, or Mishnah is something written by a rabbi. It's handed down by the rabbis, and so they were believing that he was 37. I've read what some of the apologetics have written, and most of them, the ones that are ignorant, they put him at five to seven. He wasn't five to seven. He couldn't have carried the wood up the mountain. He, the ones, they just trying to paint the picture for themselves. Some put him at his bar mitzvah. It wasn't his bar mitzvah because the bar mitzvah was different. He was already a man. He was either 18 to 20 or 27 to 30 or 37 years old. But what happened was after that, the sequence in our scripture is that after that, Sarah dies. Oh, so they want me to use this. Well, we're not going to go back. He'll just have to capture it as he's got it the best he can, right? So the, the seed had to be preserved. I'm good. Thank you. The seed had to be preserved. And in that instance, we understand that the covenant is in the seed. I'm echoing here now. The covenant is in the seed. Lord, we just thank you to heal this technology right now, Father. We thank you to protect the sound. You see, what am I going to say? The prince of the air, he doesn't like the word, especially prophetic word that exposes him. Right? So that's okay. We have power. We bind it in Jesus' name, and we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. So... Abraham, when he thought he was about to sacrifice the promise, it says that the Lord told him that he would provide a lamb. And he reminded him of the promise of the seed, and he said, I'll send my angel before you. Well, he remembered that. Eliezer remembered that. Eliezer comes in contact with Rebecca, which we'll discuss a little bit more. And Rebecca also has another name that will probably really interest you. When you go to the plural of Rivka, it actually means teams of camels. Cattle, camels. Teams of cattle, teams of camels. Isn't it prophetic that Eliezer left from Abraham's place and sojourns a far way away to another strange land with 10 camels? And he met Rivka, the name who means team of camels, servant, the one who will join and tie 
what it is. That's you. You're at the place of next. And remember I told you the vision with all the provision provided on the way there? The team of camels is waiting. The team, there's, there's, you see, camels were one of the most valuable, wealthy livestock of that day because they were workhorses, they could travel, they could go for days on end, they could store their water so that you could just take them through the desert and not have to waste your water on them while you were getting there and they could carry the water for you. Very valuable. The very valued provisions that God has for you are already in the place of next. But we need to make sure we are joined, that we have our ribka. Because if we don't have our rivka, if we don't join to what God has given us, then the fulfillment of the promise of that covenant doesn't manifest. Does it make sense to you? So, about the seed, just a little bit about seed. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, I want you to understand that we discovered through our long series on righteousness that it's God's capacity to be abundant. That's what he wants to be is abundant. You know, that's like saying you want to go to a place with the rapids. How many of you have been down rapids? How many of you like the rapids? Yeah, I like them. Oh, it's yeah, good experience, bad experience, but you have experiences. I like the rapids. But if you go to a place where it's not the right season, not the right time, not enough water, the rapids are either no fun or they're dangerous, right? Because you're hitting a lot of rocks and you're not getting over and you've got to get up and walk and carry that stinking thing and put it back down. I myself like a lot of water. I like the rapids to move. If I'm going to get in that rapid, I'm going in to move. When God sends the stream of his blessings, he wants it to be a rapid. He wants it to flow mightily. He wants it to go strong. He doesn't want the rocks to be jagged up and stop us. So we need to sow. Now, I'm not talking about just money. Yes, it's money too. It's tithing. You know, God's got an economic system, whether you like it or not. God doesn't need it. I don't know what he needs or doesn't need. I know what he wants. All right? So, but he wants us to sow ourselves. He wants us to sow everything that we have into him. Anything we hold back from him, we're telling him isn't his. So, I used a word while we were worshiping. It's C-H-E-S-E-D is how you would pronounce it, uh, write it if you're translating from Hebrew. It's chesed. Turn to your neighbor and go, chesed. Don't spit on him. Chesed. Chesed, yes. Chesed, okay. How come one we sits right here? I just figured out why. Chesed. Chesed. Chesed means bountiful grace. Bountiful mercy. Rebecca was being tested in the camel test for chesed. Bountiful mercy. Abraham had a reputation for moving so graciously, he would go and find the stranger so he could bring him in and bless him. Because he realized, he learned early on, the more I bless, the more I get. That there's a harvest that comes with the sowing of my time, of my resources, of who I am, of my giving. And if I do it, 
so that I'm not looking for a claim. If I do it humbly, if I just do it, the chesed multiplies. Abraham found that out. He became the most wealthy man of that area. So when the servant of Abraham showed up for Rebecca, Laban's sister, he knew what was coming. Abraham, all this gold, these camels. He wanted to marry into that because where he was at was nowhere near where they were at. So that going forward, seed. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Another revelation about seed. It's not just about the right seed that multiplies, but the wrong seed multiplies. You put the wrong seed in, it grows. And whatever you sow, you're going to reap. I don't really like that one, but it is a law. And it's a spiritual law. So let's give some examples of not really being real bad, but how about lethargic? Eh, somebody else will do it. I'm tired. I'm, I'm just going to take it easy this year. <laughs> Next year. Next year's coming. Next year, I'm going to have some bills paid and, you know, I have new tires on my car. And I'm just going to do it. Yeah, I know I could do that. But you know what? She's got families. Your family will help her. I don't need to. Huh? Well, I see that person on the side of the road and, man, I'm late. God bless them. What you sow, you reap. There's stuff we reap that we don't want. And I've learned something about the bad seed that I've sown. It grows fast like a weed. It doesn't grow strong and nice and seasoned like a good stalk of corn. It grows real fast and begins to choke everything. And all of a sudden, I've multiplied a bunch of bad doo-doo. Huh? I'm the only one. Bad seed grows weeds. So... What you sow, you reap. And then, and then this about seed. Proverbs 11, 24, 25. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers lack and want. Whoever brings blessings will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. Wow. You see, that's about the word, right? One brings the word, he plants it, another one waters it, harvest. If you want to be enriched in the word of God, you've got to plant the word. You've got to water the word, and God's going to give you more so that you can give more and plant more and receive more and know more, have more power and more grace, more understanding, operate in his abundance because you're practicing your skill and you're perfecting it. So, in this instance, the Word of God is really taking us to a place. But how about this one? Matthew 13, starting in verse 1. And this is my last note on seed. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him, so they got into a boat and sat down. 
And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things. By the way, that should say shore. He wasn't on the beach. Right? He was at the lake. He was at the lake. And it was coming across Ginnerset to Galilee. But that's okay. I mean, these, these translators. This guy probably lived in Miami Beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. When I first copied that scripture down into my notes, I misspelled it, I thought. I put down, they had no depth of soul. I said, ooh, let me think on that a moment. No depth of soul. You see, the words got to get down in. And the spirit, if it's the spirit of Christ, that spirit is already downloaded with all of the opportunity to capacity of all the word of God. But if we don't transform it and communicate it from the spirit to the soul, there's no depth of soul. That's why we plant it deep in the soul. There was no depth of soul. Now let me take you to the next profound revelation with that. Does that mean that if you do a mitzvah, you know what a mitzvah is? It's a good deed. It's a good thing. You do a mitzvah. Well, your works aren't going to get you your salvation, but your works will be good seed that brings you blessings. So we've been dulled by the message of all grace to the fact that we actually think doing works is a bad thing, or we excuse them by saying, I don't need to do that, I've got grace. But what happens is you're stealing your own seed. And so when the seed is there and the mitzvah takes place, God multiplies it. Let each seed bring forth its own kind. So wherever God has placed you, whatever he's given you to do, let us agree we're going to do it with excellence. We're going to put our best to it. We may not have the most money to put to, but we're going to put our best to it because you know what? If we put our best to it, God will give you the provision you need to do it even better. Because he multiplies it. In ways we don't even understand, God multiplies it. Amen? So, I'm almost done. Five more minutes. First, before I'm done, how come somebody's laughing? You don't believe. That was my wife. Yeah, I don't. Thank you for telling on her. Because she just looked up like she was innocent. Just say the one with the hat. The one with the hat. Robert, you look good in a hat. I told my wife that the other day. I'm going to get you a hat, man. I'm going to get you a hat. So, about seed. What was important in the Abrahamic covenant? What was absolutely necessary? You go from Isaac, ready to be sacrificed. God provides the lamb. We'll get into it. John 8. Abraham saw the day, he saw the Messiah, he saw the salvation, he saw 
of an amazing, heavens tore open and he traveled in time. And he jumped to eternity and he saw that Jesus was the Lamb of God, that Isaac didn't need to be killed. He also saw that Jesus is the seed. One of the names for Jesus is seed. Yeah, I'll share it with you, Yeshua. Another name for Yeshua is deliverer. And another name for deliverer in Hebrew is Gael. Now, Gael is very interested because it means El, God, and go before it means takes. Take God. God takes you out. Gael. So Abraham saw the seed and he said, the Lord shall provide the lamb. And he didn't even know what he was saying. But I want you to understand something. God has already provided what you need. And we're going to learn also in Genesis 24 that when God has you on a mission, he says the angel will go before you. Now, I haven't done a lot of teaching about angels. And to be honest with you, I don't court angels a lot. They're in this house. We have angels. for You all have angels. I court the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I mean, here's the way I look at it. And please, I'm not blaspheming any angels, Lord. But what if I outgrow my angel? What if I need a bigger angel? What if I need an angel who can go faster? I don't know how fast they go. What if I need an angel that's got different provision than the provision I needed in the last place, and now I'm in the place of next? And there's a different angel whose specialty is the place of next. I mean, you know, if I need eye surgery, right? I'm not going to go to a gastro guy. I could get more graphic. Right? I mean, so God assigns his angels. Now, also, so you understand in the Old Testament, many times they didn't know the difference between an angel and Jesus. Did Jacob really wrestle with an angel or was it Jesus? Who had the power to change his identity, an angel or Jesus? Who showed up with Abraham, an angel or the Jesus? Who took Abraham all the way a couple centuries later and showed him many centuries later the Lamb of God going down via Della Rosa to be crucified. He saw it. You see, so when it says, Abraham says, God will send his angel before you, I tend to believe it's Yeshua. Jesus has already gone before you. And I look at it this way. Here's the way I understand the place of next. He's there waiting for us to come to his arms. And the beauty about it is, is he's not confined, so he's also got your back. The glory of the cloud by day and the fire by night. And just like it was in the garden when he was going to protect the tree so that it wouldn't keep us forever paralyzed and chained to sin, right? The tree of life and death. What did they set about it? They said about it, beings with flaming swords of fire in front of it, beneath it, around it. No way to penetrate into it. When Jesus is taking you to the place of next, he has that fire curtain all around you. Nothing can penetrate it and stop it because he's honoring the seed of the covenant. The covenant that God made himself with Abraham. Abraham couldn't louse it up, so we can't louse it up. 
Because if Abraham made it with him, it'd be no different than all the other covenants that were made that were broken. The Noahic covenant, the Adamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the Isaac covenant, the Jacobic covenant. They were all broken. But not the covenant with Abraham, because he said it's in the seed. It's in the seed. It's in the seed. It's in the seed. And we're going to learn as it says in the New Testament, we are the seed. That if you're in Christ, you are the seed of Abraham. 